Welcome to another episode of Innovation and the Future of Pharmacovigilance, a podcast series brought to you by Trulliant Talks. I'm your host, Indy Alawalia, and I'm delighted to navigate the dynamic world of pharmacovigilance and risk management with you. Uh, a quick disclaimer first, the opinions expressed in this episode are solely those of the individual guest and do not necessarily reflect the official views of Trulliant Consulting or their own company. We're all about fostering insightful conversations here at Trulliant Talks, and we want you to know that any product, vendor, or service mentioned does not imply an endorsement. If you're seeking professional advice for specific situations, we encourage you to go to our experts. Please remember, this podcast content is meant for informational and educational purposes only. So, today, we are incredibly fortunate to have Rishi Chopra, Executive Director, Global Head of Pharmacovigilance Regions, and also Deputy UK QPPV as our guest speaker. Rishi, it's fantastic to have you here. Hi, Andy. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for the invitation and, uh, yeah, this opportunity to speak to you. We've known each other for quite a bit, so I feel like I'm talking to a friend. So uh, <laughs> appreciate it, yeah. Yeah, you have been a, a pretty much my whole uh, PV career. I think I've uh, I've pretty much seen you everywhere, uh, every conference, every. I think he even did an interview once. Uh, so, so yeah. Um, I think the first thing that I I, I want to ask is, uh, how did you get into PV? <laughs> yeah, good, good question. I think uh, with a lot of folks that that enter pharmacovigilance. Um, it's probably not the case that when they were asked when they were a five-year-old what they want to be when they grow up, is a the answer was probably wasn't PV professional. <laughs> um, but really, look, I, I did a, a undergraduate um, a course in in biochemistry, and you know, coming out of um, that bachelor's, I still didn't really understand what I wanted to do. Um, I think all I really knew that I I didn't really want to. Uh, stay in the labs. I didn't think that was for me. Um, I think by nature, I, I get my energy from people. So whatever I wanted uh, to do in the future had to be centered around collaborating with folks, you know, so that much I knew, but not not specifically. Um, and so then I went on to kind of prolong my uh, educational experience um, uh, and maybe some time in the student union bar uh, by uh, doing another course in uh, in a, it was a master's in in pharmaceutical science and business management and that was a really interesting course because it was at Kingston University and it was a hybrid course so the pharmaceutical science piece is everything that you would expect is understanding each component of the pharmaceutical industry and within that there was a module of pharmacovigilance and um, but the other half was the first time that they had offered it uh, was an opportunity to do some business management modules with the business management cohort of students. And I was the first from the life science side to do that. So it was just me from the life science um, cohort um, uh, understanding and taking part in some of the modules with the pure business management um, students. So that was really interesting. The first time I had uh, been exposed to anything from from that perspective. And it really taught me about not only um, uh, you know the scientific side, but it also taught me about how companies uh, operate, which was which is a, a good insight. But um, like I said, there was a PV module in there. Then after that, um, 
really, uh, uh, I had a cousin that was working uh, um, in regulatory affairs within the industry. She had been working in the industry for several years. So really, that was the first point of inspiration to start thinking about the, the pharmaceutical industry post masters. And I was very lucky enough to, to really get my first job in PV almost immediately after I'd finished my master's at Kingston. So, um, yeah, that's really the story. And no, I don't, I wouldn't say it was a, it was a, a, a carefully structured plan and strategy to get into PV. But I, I mean, I, I truly mean this. I was lucky enough to uh, fall into PV and then from there on kind of build a, a career in there. Mm. And that first role was at Roche. Is that right? Yeah, it was at Roche. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And how was that experience for you to, you know, newly, newly graduated out of uh, Kingston and straight into Roche? Yeah, yeah. I think it was uh, actually very lucky for me to get uh, my first job in industry and in farm convergence uh, at a company like Roche. It's a fantastic organisation, and like I said, I get get my energy from people and. I think the most striking thing about my time at Roche as a, if you like, the first real job, right, um, apart from uh, working in retail uh, during university, was was the fact that I was joining a, a real community of, of folks in a, in a global pharmacovigilance department. And really the environment was all about sharing, partnering, learning. And so it was a, it was an excellent entry um, for me into the industry and, and really learn from some I mean, not only great managers, um, but but just have fantastic colleagues around us. And I think maybe showing the age, but it was back in the day, you, you, you know, you get into case processing as your entry level role, for example. And we did everything, ha- had the opportunity to try everything, um, whether it was processing different cases, whether it was learning about training, process, it, uh, process management, outsourcing strategy. I mean, it was a great environment uh, for someone um, that was really eager to learn uh, uh, pharmacovigilance at, at a foundational level. So it gave me a, a fantastic foundation from there. So I think Roche was a fantastic experience and, like I say, very lucky uh, because I've kept connections, really strong connections ever since then and, and, and I've been very proud to see the trajectory of, of, of my colleagues um, from those days. So, so yeah, fantastic experience. And uh, that early on, did you know where you wanted to go in your PV journey or was it just, well, I'm processing cases, I'm learning a bit of the safety side stuff. Uh, I think signaling might have been just, was signaling uh, just sort of in its infancies or sort of very basic signaling. At that point, I mean, I had exposure to that side um, at a very, very foundational level. You know, not not mm-hmm. not in, um, in too much detail. Um, to answer your question, did I really know where I wanted to go from there? The answer is is n- n- no, not really. I, I, all I knew at that point, it was only the first two or three years of my career, right? Was and really getting to understand farm convergence. And I have to be honest, because at that point, you don't really, or I did not have. A, a really um, intimate understanding about the po- importance of patient safety and pharmacovigilance, right? You you get the foundational training which tells you about the thalidomide disaster, et cetera, the foundations of, and the roots of pharmacovigilance as we know it today. But but it really didn't, if I can say, hit home yet at that mm-hmm. point. 
And so what I did know is that I wanted to further my journey and, and, and education in farm convergence, if you like, um, by taking up a, 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 a another opportunity at, at GlaxoSmithKline, which mm-hmm. really took me from a global uh, um, a function into a local function. So I, I took a, a role within the local safety team in GSK's uh, UK affiliate, which again was a, a, a real fantastic experience. So to answer your question, I don't really know Again, did I especially target that next move? No, there was an opportunity that came up and it really struck me that this offers a, a different insight from a different perspective, from a local perspective, um, a little bit closer to the needs of the local business as well as the local patient population um, and also a different um, uh, therapeutic portfolio, uh, which was interesting, very diverse portfolio at GlaxoSmithKline, you know, including vaccines and HIV portfolio uh, on top of the respiratory oncology. So that really um, was an attraction for me to, to to take up the role at GSK and have a new experience. I mean, that's, uh, it's, it's quite fun. It's quite, it's quite incredible. You had this, uh, your early part of your career was literally, you had the global outlook as your first um, in, uh, sort of introduction into PV. And then you went down to the local level um, was it at this point that you started to get more involved with industry associations or was that a bit later on? Yeah, it was. No, it was at GlaxoSmithKline. So you, you're taking me back into you have to remember now. But, yeah, so <laughs> it was at GlaxoSmithKline. I think uh, what had happened at that point is um, my manager was um, very involved with uh, both Piper and the ABPI Pharmacovigilance Expert mm-hmm. Network. And I think mm-hmm. there was a couple of times where she gave me the opportunity and um, maybe we'll come back to it later, but I've always had fantastic managers that have offered me opportunity and, and, and allowed me to grow, which is really important. But she gave me that opportunity to take part. There's a lot of trust there because representation of the company and and, and uh, providing valuable input into some of these trade associations is really important. And so um, fantastic amount of trust that was placed in me. But it was a great opportunity to, again, I think it was the first time I got the opportunity to work on something with um, with colleagues from other companies and other parts of the industry. So, yeah, I think it was Piper and then ABPI Farm Convergence Expert Network that, that I started to interact with during my time at GSK. Yeah. Was that surprising to you uh, that industry did collaborate in that way? Uh, that's a good question. Was it surprising to me? I, I don't think it was, actually. I don't think it was particularly surprising to me. Um, but for me personally, it was it was something brand new um, to see how um, um, trade associations and industry associations can have a really important um, influence and contribution to to our overall uh, uh, pharmacovigilance framework, right? And and I think, I mean, in other ways, GSK had really given me the appreciation, started to give me the true appreciation of the impact of the work that we do within patient safety and pharmacovigilance, um, uh, you know, to to the population in terms of health and well being. Um, but from a trade association perspective, we started to work on some papers. Um, 
that influence the way that we do things and it was all in the ultimate interest of, of, of patient safety and compliance. And so that started to give me a deeper appreciation of the value of, of colleagues across the industry and trade associations in, in having a, a, a positive influence around how we can kind of progress things, you know, in the name of the patient. So, yeah, it, it wasn't surprising me that they were interacting, but the the impacts, the positive impact was was definitely something uh, that was uh, uh, something new to me and, and, and it was a great exposure. Yeah, and I think that's the first time that I, I had actually heard your name, which was the, I think it was the ABPI guidance for digital media and, and, and PV. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I think that was... That point, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it was good. Um, but, I mean, it's quite interesting that, you know, uh, where are we... Uh, ten years later, eleven years later, it's still the it's still the guidance that people still look to, which is a maybe slightly a sad indictment of how we haven't moved on as an industry, um, or we don't move quick enough, or it's the fact that it's it's lasted its time, and I, I that might have sounded a bit offensive, but I didn't mean it to sound offensive. It's just, I guess, it's the way it is, and and I believe. At that point, you were about to move to Janssen, is that right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, on the paper that that had been developed subsequent to that um, uh, uh, several times, even by mm. some of my team members at the companies that I joined later on. Um, and I think it, it was just it's just testament to the fact that that area is is complex, right? Um, um, quite rightfully, there is a lot more red tape. Um, and 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 uh, um, uh, framework around how pharma and biotech operates in the public space, including social social media. Quite rightly so. We're, we're dealing with not to underplay it, but life and death. Sometimes we're dealing with people's mm. health, which is a really really important topic. And so um, it's not so easy because technology moves incredibly fast, right? And um, all of social and digital has moved incredibly fast. Platforms and the use of the platforms have, have moved and developed even more so. So um, it, it's it's difficult to kind of tie down uh, guidance and framework which will ever last that pace of change, right? So I think the industry and companies have to keep thinking, keep talking, keep being pragmatic in terms of how they operate and just keep um, patient safety and, and compliance at the core of what they do, and then they'll steer themselves in the right direction, I'm sure. Um, but, yeah, you're going back to your other uh, question around my move from there on, and it, it really was at a point where, again, because of the, the, the trust and the faith that, that my manager had with me at that time, she gave me more opportunities to, 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 to kind of take on supervisory roles at times and also backup roles for her when she was uh, 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 not there. Um, and that gave me a flavor of, of what it was like to, 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 I guess, first lead a team or, or to actually uh, coordinate a team, supervise a team. Mm -hmm. And that's what I wanted to do next. I really wanted to manage a team. And that's where the opportunity at Janssen came along. And uh, um, it was, uh, again, really fantastic experience, fantastic um, company and uh learned a huge amount we went through uh some 
really dynamic and testing uh, times, quite rightly, like ex- inspections, etc. Mm-hmm. But really positive experiences and outcomes uh, from them. And once again, you know, really had the opportunity to make some firm friends and and uh, uh, ever since that I've kind of maintained uh, contact with ever since. And uh, yeah, so so went to Janssen to take up a role in in managing uh, uh, a team within pharmacovigilance operations. Uh, and it was a UK-based team that eventually was also joined with my uh, to manage a US-based team as well. So again, a, a fantastic experience. And I think during that time, I first started to interact more closely with the functions like the EU QPPV, other PV operations roles, the affiliates. Um, and I think um, it was then around about 2012, right, when the GBP modules first came out. And then yep. the experience of, of, of leading and coordinating the implementation of GBP module six, which is, I guess, for PV has been a significant uh, milestone event, right? And and uh, uh, those modules are still around and being updated. So, so it was a it was a significant milestone and experience for me. Um, but yeah, so that was a, a, a fantastic uh, move for me. Yeah. And also around that time, you were also doing a white paper uh, for Tufts. Yeah, yeah, Tufts. Yeah. So this was something that. Um, uh, during that time, there was, uh, again, an industry-wide um, initiative with Tufts, led by Tufts University to start looking at, again, in the area of social media. So it was just, a, um, I guess, my it's really sparked my interest during my time at GSK around digital and social and how that was being used. And I have to say, in those early years, um, there was still a, a, a lot of... Uh, ambiguity about the value of the data that was on social and digital media right and support uh, mm-hmm. with with complexities like the risk of duplication and noise and false reports so it was really just an opportunity to 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 further my experience in talking with colleagues across the industry and varying different experiences um so yeah so that was uh, another opportunity to be exposed to to that area so you're at Janssen, you've you've probably grown into a uh, into being a leader at this point. You've 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 got your experiences from the past. You've you've been able to be part of this this whole GVP module rollout, which uh, I think that was pretty early on in my career, and it was huge. Um, uh, and I was at a small company at the time, so. I can only imagine for someone like Janssen, it was um, it was a big, big deal. And then, what made you decide? Okay, now's the time to move on. Yeah, I mean, did I? Re- I don't know if I really started my journey in terms of being a a, a, a full blown leader at that point in Janssen. Certainly, it was my first experience of managing people. But you know, there's. Mm-hmm difference between just managing people and and being a leader in fact in my view you don't have to manage people to be a leader right so um different slightly different concepts but sometimes intertwined uh, as well certainly that experience of managing people was great you know looking after 
as really good managers had looked after me in terms of my own development and opportunity, trying to practice what I'd learned from those managers and look after the development and the opportunity of others. So that was that was a fantastic experience. And um, uh, yeah, like you said, uh, um, implementing GVP module six was was a, a, a great experience and it was daunting at the beginning because it is a large organization and it, it was complex and you had the farmer and the consumer portfolio um, and it was implementation across uh, uh, both sides of that business um, but that's when I say that that that's when I started to get exposed more and more to the affiliates uh, to the yeah. affiliate sector so talking and partnering with the safety officers understanding how their countries were um, implementing the EU uh, guidelines at a local legislative level, a local guidance level, uh, and interacting and understanding and appreciating that there are different flavors of interpretation country to country. Um, and that, that was fascinating to me, it really was. And I guess I wanted to build on that experience of and, and opportunity to kind of interact with the different affiliates and different countries and so an opportunity came up at Takeda um, and uh, where I would be a, a regional lead uh, covering mm -hmm. the Russia CIS region of, of affiliates um, so I, I took that as, an, as kind of the next step of my, my, my journey you know so it was, it was if you like I went from a global office um, into a regional center or a regional capacity, but still as a representative of the global office at Takeda, global PV at Takeda. So, so yeah, that was the that was the reason why I wanted to move into that role. Really, um, is to is to really uh, get more experience and more exposure of interacting more closely with the affiliates, and not only the PV folks um, within the countries, but also the broader business. Um, um, so yeah, so that's what what took me there. And then from then you went to Otsuka. Yeah. Right? Yeah, Otsuka. Um, yeah, a previous uh, manager had, uh, referred me to, to an opportunity at Otsuka, which was to kind of um, uh, kind of lead the compliance framework there, especially in the run up to an important uh, inspection. Um, and uh, it was really looking at uh, the compliance with module two, uh, what should be in the farm division system master file, supporting the setup of a, of a compliance management framework, um, continuing to work really closely with the, the EU QPPV and the folks in the QPPV office, as well as other folks within PV operations and um, CAPA management. So, yeah, great, great experience. And that, at Osuka, again, very lucky to to join a fantastic company with with a fantastic heritage um, uh, and um, a beautiful organisational culture. Um, and it was you know great again to 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 interact with folks, but from a different lens, you know, compared to my previous experiences. Um, and yeah, it was it was just good to kind of get that. Um, uh, to, to to try my hand at a different part of the farm convergence uh, workflow or oversight framework, you know. And and then the thing that surprised me because I didn't realise you were there for so long was Biogen. I, I didn't realise you were there for well over six years. 
Yeah, it was about. It was, I think it was coming up to six years. Um, I think. I think I really had. Um, I really decided that uh, at that point that I really wanted to go back to uh, um, working with the affiliate sector. I, I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it at Takeda. I really enjoyed being part of the affiliate at GSK. And again, I had the interactions with the affiliate community within uh, both Janssen and, and at Otsuka still within compliance. And I, I just wanted to go back to that, you know. So the, the role was really attractive, um, you know. And, and actually, that, that that's even more so the people that had interviewed me really gave me uh, the motivation to join that organization you know um Mm -hmm. it felt like um things were still building it felt like there was a tremendous opportunity to build a a true farm convergence community with the affiliate sector um i would be working um not just uh, within one region but leading all regions of affiliates across the globe so it was an expansion it was the next Mm -hmm. Uh, logical expansion to what I was doing at Takeda, and it was the also the opportunity to first time join the the global PV leadership team. Um, so again, it was I guess it was the next step in my overall development and learning was then to start practicing providing a contribution to um, uh, farm convergence leadership beyond my immediate remit. Right. Mm. So. <laughs> Yes, I'm coming from the perspective of I lead the the affiliate network um, um, function, but it was well beyond that. How do you provide a contribution to the betterment of the farm convergence system uh, alongside my colleagues that are you know, on the PV leadership team, right? So, so that was again an experience as well. Yeah. Uh, and at and at this point at Biogen, this is when you again were heavily involved with some of the industry. Um. Uh, uh, yeah, some of the associations, etc. There we go. <laughs> yeah. At this point, yeah. So you were at some industry associations. Um, yeah. You were of- you were doing some lecturing. Like there was a whole load of things happening for you at that point, right? Yeah, I mean, it in phases. <laughs> um, so. For a long time, it was really about um, establishing myself as well as my ideas on creating a, a, um, a really unified pharmacovigilance system that that was inclusive of all of the affiliates around the world, right? Because mm-hmm. um, I think that it, that prior there had been a level of decentralization of how pharmacovigilance had, had functioned within the affiliate sector. So it was to kind of harmonize that um, over the few years so really it was focused on that for the first few years and then maybe as I kind of got more comfortable and established in the role and I think that's important I think um, for anybody kind of considering the extracurricular stuff it's it's really nice but you know you have to uh, pay focus to to the core role right um, and so that was my focus for a few years and then um, I, I don't know it just felt like it, there was again it was just uh, by chance interaction with um a lecturer of one of my previous universities at, at kingston um and then also i would get the 
uh, alumni newsletters from Westminster. And so then there was reach outs from those universities to see whether there was any chance of me doing some lectures. And I thought that would be quite useful because I think when I did, um, I mean, there's been other great courses like uh, the the PV course at, at Hertfordshire University, mm-hmm. um, which I did a diploma in. But uh, and so they offer great teachings in 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 farm convergence. But I thought in some of the other uh, courses at certainly the universities that I have been in, it would be great to get direct experience or for the students to have uh, uh, um, you know interaction with someone from the industry to give the. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that's what I did. So at University of, of uh, Kingston, I gave kind of like an industry perspective. And then from uh, for University of Westminster, I was interacting with them around the importance of mentorship and and leadership. And they also had a uh, a series called What It Takes. So it's for the students to to kind of get different insights from different um, industries as to what it takes to become a leader or what it takes to you know uh, various different topics so so yeah so that's when i started to kind of <laughs> practice lecturing to to, to students which is a, a different experience you know yeah and and finally you you've ended up now where you are at csl yeah and how and actually if i look at your whole career i i sometimes i ask people about how they feel about working with companies from, you know, that have, have got different cultures. So, you know, we have the Japanese culture, the Swiss culture, the UK culture, etc. You've actually managed to pretty much hit everything, every single one of those sort of companies. Yeah, um, I, wasn't, I wasn't following a, a checkbox uh, no. <laughs> or uh, companies and cultures that I wanted to cover. Uh, quite sincerely, um, I think there's, there's a couple of things that have influenced my decision to to to, to explore uh, new opportunities, which have been about um, people, um, and it's been about the role. And and in those two aspects, it was just a, a compelling, really compelling um, situation, where, which led me to join CSL, a fantastic organisation. Um, people are. Uh, passionate uh, really about this topic of patient safety and um and there is such great opportunity to put your mark on on things and really influence and drive forward and um look i'm i'm still learning um from from great leaders and that hasn't changed today you know and that has been the 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 real stimulating factor is can i continue my learning journey um, and can I keep doing the things that I'm particularly passionate about, which is patient safety? And like I said at the beginning, did I really have an appreciation of the contribution that pharmacovigilance uh, uh, functions make to patient safety? I didn't, not in those early years, sure not. But, you know, throughout my career, I've had the opportunity to do talk directly to patients and healthcare professionals. I understand what it means to them um, to take um, and have access to to, to potentially life changing therapies, right? Um, and I've seen the important work that we do right across all functions of pharmacovigilance in that mission. And I've also seen the the variety uh, through the different countries in in terms of what it means to provide more more tailored or specific or nuanced. Uh, um, um, uh, service to, to patient safety 
And so I really wanted to continue my journey in the affiliate sector. And again, it's the opportunity, it was the role at CSL, but really importantly, it was the leadership. It was the people that really have, have kind of brought me here. And look, you know, I've been blessed in that way and I continue my journey in that way. And I've got fantastic colleagues around me. And this is a, um, a, 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 a really fantastic step for me. So that's why I'm here at CSL. And it's already been almost two years since I've been here. So, uh, yeah, it's going really well. And you talk about uh, a, a, a lot about the the leaders that you've had throughout your career and how influential they are. Um, what is it about those those particular leaders that helped you throughout your career that you, I, I guess, are you grateful for? Or what is it that made them stand out to you and made you want to pursue yourself and uh, uh, your learnings going forward? Yeah, uh, it's a really good question. So I think on reflection, the, the reason why I say I've been lucky with the managers and the leaders that I've been exposed to is because I found that those um, managers, if we start with the managers, my direct managers, they I've always had the opportunity to try something new and sometimes make uh, measured mistakes, you know, um, and learn from them quickly. Uh, and so that's something that I kind of hold dear in the way that I try to manage people is to give opportunity, allow them to uh, expand the breadth of what they currently know and, and do and try something different. Because I think out of that kind of you, 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 you can breed more innovation and uh, also personal development for the individual. Um, but then a lot of those leaders, so not only the managers, but the leaders that I've been exposed to have kind of, um, led by example right and I've, I've particularly been blessed with being surrounded by indiv uh, leaders with individuality right they, they, mm -hmm. they, they, there's something about them that separates them or differentiates them from the next leader and every different style has something to offer in my uh, belief right and um i would also say i've been have been blessed to have uh, authentic leaders so and I think I think uh, that's a lot. A lot of people talk about authenticity as a, a leadership behavior, but it's really, really important to be a, a, an authentic leader, uh, in my view. Um, and that's what I've tried to emulate the best that I can is just to be myself in terms of my personality, be humble about what I know, what I don't know, um, and uh, um, also allow people to be themselves, to be comfortable in their skin and and uh, uh, be as inclusive as possible. So, yeah, so I think that I think those are the leaders that I've, I've really appreciated and, again, have been very blessed to have uh, to help me develop my own career. And, and, and you have a very big sense of paying it back as well. Uh, it comes through a lot that you want to be able to pay back what people have, have, have given the opportunities to, to yourself. Uh, and the one thing that I, that I think about is in – the world of PV that we're in right now, how do leaders pay back to the the newer generation of PV leaders that are potentially coming through? Uh, it's a good question. I, I mean, look, I'm still learning, right? So there is there is there is that. So I think it's first understanding is that my way isn't the 
the it's not the the way it's not the yeah. only way right and mm-hmm. it's not necessarily correct in all fashions but but it's the way that suits me that I, that I do it with really positive intent and i think that's the key thing is to 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 make sure that we kind of uh, um um uh, give our folks the space to 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 positively contribute to whatever they do and understand whatever contribution that they make we should assume positive intentions and um some people may think it's classed as paying back but i actually get something out of it myself so mm-hmm. it's not uh completely uh um uh, selfless right it, it's it i get something out i get i feel like a reward if i'm kind of you know going to some of these lectures and i don't do it very often i might do it like once every year or a couple of years but whenever i do get the opportunity to do it i do feel like it, there is something that i get back out of it in terms of just sharing an experience and i think it's valuable because when you're in maybe we all know this when we're in university i mean what do we know about operating in a in a corporate environment and and some of the finer details of operating in in matrixed environments etc we we don't and i think sharing that perspective from an early stage uh, more to do with the soft skills etc is just as important as the technical knowledge that they'll learn from their courses right so so i do think there is a value with with folks from industry providing perspective um back to the students that are still learning and and uh, and uh, and but like like i say it was not it's not it's paying it back maybe a little bit but but it's also i get something out of that you know yeah is there any leader that you can think of that you would name check this instant and say this person view is something that I or this person's way of being a leader is something I aspire to I think look I like I say I've been blessed to have really good managers and leaders uh, around me throughout throughout my career Re- really good you know I've learned from all of them and I continue learning today I'm very blessed today to have the leaders that I have and the managers that I have today and, and learning from them I think um <clears throat> it more so than name checking i think it's about the profile of a leader that i've really appreciated again going back to the things that i talked about real authentic leaders leaders that are really comfortable in who they are um and that i find it uh, just uh, um, brilliant that that people can be who they are and offer something different and re- big believer in in diversity of, of contribution right um and inclusivity and and you know for me that that's what i've been blessed with is those those leaders that are really comfortable with their brand of leadership and are and are authentic and that's what i've always tried to aspire to 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 be myself is yeah i i i think that's that's fair so <clears throat> the name of the podcast is innovation and the future of farming vigilance so we have to ask this question what what is next for pv what's the next thing yeah i think i think probably the the obvious one that you know we've been talking about for the last couple of years at least in industry is is the advent of uh, technology and the progress that that will that will make and enhance in terms of our procedures and the way that we do things so specifically um ai generative ai nlp etc um i think all of that will will definitely contribute uh, i think that's a given that that will play a massive role and for some companies that are further along 
um, than others. And, you know, it's already playing a role for them in some way. So I think that's that's really important, and it will probably free up uh, the capacity to look at more value add. Um, and I think he, um, I mean, and that and that a lot of the conversation in around that is on the back end of how do we use AI for data management? You know, we in regulation we progressively we're asking to collect more and report more, and I think AI has a, has the support. Uh, uh, opportunity for that. On the other side, I think it'll be interesting how the rest of or, or the, the organization or the industry utilizes technology and taps into into sources or potential new sources of data or uh, or underused sources of data. Right? So it's always been a concept in farm convergence that there is severe underreporting of AEs. Um, a lot of the times when, when people report adverse events, are they reporting it purely for the sake of reporting an adverse event. Right? Well, quite frequently they're reporting because they're mentioning it in the context of something else that they want out of it, whether it's medical information or, or to share a story or, or, or to get other people's experiences. And I wonder whether, um, again, we talk about the social and digital media at the beginning, there's always people are dubious about, well, what kind of quality of data is really out there? I wonder whether those same data sources will become richer in the future, mainly because of, well, number one, patients are becoming more learned about their conditions and their treatments and the disease, and they want more uh, uh, of a, an active contribution in that journey. Um, so are they now also building stronger communities with their with other patients of the same area and, and uh, talking about their therapy and their treatments more? and their experiences. And I wonder whether some of that data is becoming richer out there and, and again, is yet to be untapped. And I think the, the technology, just as much as it has a role in supporting the, the, the back end of data management, um, it also has a role in, in, in perhaps in a more efficient way, helping us to tap into those uh, new data sources. Um, so it's yet to be discovered, but I think that's the future is, is to, how do we leverage technology more and more, um, both from the aspect of data management, but also to maybe explore if there are new data sets out there that provide a, a richer and more uh, um, fuller insight into the patient or experience, right? Um, so I think I think that's one thing. I think the other thing is that that is also uh, aligned to this concept is. I also think that medicine is moving towards more personalized experiences. Mm -hmm. So um, in previous companies, I've seen the, the, the value that uh, medical devices uh, and digital uh, has on the overall patient experience. Um, so again, I wonder whether the patient will become more of a collaborator in the, the generation of their own data uh, yeah, and the assessment of their data. And so I wonder the role of, of uh, if there's going to be a much stronger role for the patient within industries. We talk about patient centricity, maybe there's going to be a chief patient officer um, in a lot of companies in the future. So again, I think that as healthcare develops, the um, technology develops around it and the patient becomes more learned uh, about their own treatment and disease outcomes and wants more of a, an in personal investment in that journey uh, uh, other than just looking to their healthcare professional for advice, uh, 
I, I think the data will become richer and uh, we'll probably have uh, a better outcomes and assessment and outcomes uh, on the back of it. That's fascinating. That's a that's a really good point. And actually, there's one other thing that came up, which I, I, I don't, we haven't really touched upon, but it, it's, it's a big conversation at the moment about the convergence or the divergence of regulators and the way that they're looking um, at regulating uh, our industry. Um, you're getting some of the maybe not so traditional uh, regulators coming up with um, some regulations which are, you know, innovative, as it were, compared to maybe the bigger ones who are slightly slower to come to some sort of consensus uh, to be able to regulate the uh, the industry. And your role has obviously is is global in in, in that respect, and you see all this. Do you see any big changes or foresee any big changes in that in the future? Yeah, I think trade associations and, and many of the well-established regulators are are doing, um, um, are putting in a lot of commitment to kind of uh, uh, work and collaborate with each other with, with some of the burgeoning regulators out there um, so that as much as possible we can harmonize and, and share experiences. So I think, I think, um, in a lot of the burgeoning regulators will see them advance uh, as well. Um, and I, I guess that's also why my job, I feel my job's particularly interesting because, you know, we, we're at the front end of, of having uh, and, and being exposed to that, all of those varied requirements uh, country to country. Um, yeah, you know, belief that all of these, uh, the regulators, ultimately we all want to do the same thing, which is to really make sure that the patients are, are served and uh, that we have their safety um, call, uh, everything what we do. So I do think that there will be more uh, continuing efforts by trade associations as well as regulators to share experiences and opportunities to harmonise. Um, so we can expect more and more of that collaboration to happen. Um, so there's been the work that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has been doing. Uh, the MHRA has been really active. Um, outside of EU um, as well. Um, and uh, we know that many trade associations out there uh, are interacting very well with a lot of the regulators to share experiences and, and influence wherever they can. So I, I do think that um, we'll continue to see uh, variation in requirements um, country to country. And in some cases, rightfully so, they have patient uh, different patient demographics and different needs. Um, so we should we shouldn't necessarily expect to see exactly the same requirements everywhere um but i think there will be a continuing effort globally to to harmonize wherever possible rishi thank you very much for joining me on this podcast it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you yeah thank you indy thanks uh good chatting with you again and uh yeah we'll go for a beer sometime <laughs> absolutely thanks take care 